Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by Diligent on third-party management, a risk-based approach. Over this series, we will take a look at risk mitigation, questionnaires and due diligence, implementation and maintenance, reporting, and FCPA use cases. Before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor, Diligent. This podcast series is presented by Diligent. Diligent empowers leaders with a holistic view of their organization's governance, risk, compliance, audit, and ESG practices so they can make better decisions faster, no matter the challenge. Ready for purpose-driven compliance? Diligence equips leaders with the tools they need to build, monitor, and maintain a culture of open, transparent ethics and compliance. We elevate partner transparency with our risk-based approach to monitoring third-party business relationships. We can provide access to the tools, services, support, and community you need to keep a step ahead of an ever-evolving regulatory landscape. For more information and to book a demo, visit diligent.com backslash third-party risk. In this part five, I visit with Alexander Kosha on FCPA enforcement actions, creating use cases. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our concluding part five of our five-part exploration. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Alexander Kosha from the Volkov Law Group. Alexander, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Tom, it's a pleasure. As I've indicated to you before, I've been a loyal listener for many years, so it's uh, surreal to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Could you tell us uh, your professional background? Sure. The first part of my career, I spent about 10 and a half years in complex commercial litigation and insurance defense for a law firm here in New Mexico. And then around 2016, 2017, Virgin Galactic actually recruited me to be a part of their very small legal team. Their operations are based out of the spaceport in truth or consequences, New Mexico, which I understand is the largest area of unrestricted airspace in the country. So they, they operate out of there, and I was fortunate enough to get in on the ground level and kind of be a partner of the general counsel in developing the overall compliance function. And what then are you up to these A couple days? years ago, yeah, so a couple of years ago, I got an invitation from Mike Volkoff to kind of leverage my skills in a different context, and now I'm with the Volkoff Law Group, where I handle a variety of matters related to third-party due diligence, sanctions, compliance, and export controls. Alexander, I've been in the anti-corruption compliance space since 2007, and the most clear, consistent fact has been when it comes to enforcement, third parties. Fully in 2022, 90% of all FCPA enforcement actions, over 90% involved third parties and getting companies into trouble. So I thought I would wanted to ask you, what were maybe three of the cases that caught your eye from the past year that involved third parties and what made them unique from your perspective? Yeah. So, Tom, as you alluded to, I think it's really important to emphasize in 2022 an overwhelming majority of SCPA-related enforcement actions that were brought by the DOJ or SEC involved third-party intermediaries. So we're talking about an organization's agents, consultants, contractors, service providers, distributors, the whole gamut, other external parties on which an organization relies operationally. Now, that's in keeping, as you alluded to again, what we already know from a decade plus of collecting FCPA data, that the overwhelming majority of these enforcement actions involve third parties. So I think 2022, the 2022 data certainly underscores a need for organizations to reprioritize third-party risk management as a core compliance function. 
And I think sometimes there's a tendency to become complacent in that arena, but you really can't afford to be complacent, especially as we have a new emerging considerations respecting sanctions and export controls that have become core enforcement priorities of the federal government, as we saw recently with the relatively novel joint compliance note that was issued by the Departments of Justice, Treasury, and Commerce. So I think the first case I wanted to talk to you about today was the case of ABV Limited, which has the dubious distinction of being a repeat FCPA offender. In December 2022, the DOJ announced a resolution with ABV Limited, which is a Switzerland-based company, but subject to the FCPA by virtue of being an issuer within the meaning of the bribery prohibitions. Now, according to charging documents between roughly 2014 and 2017, ABV paid a high-ranking official affiliated with a state-owned energy company in South Africa to retain and obtain engineering contracts for the maintenance of a power plant in South Africa. Now, tellingly, it did so by hiring subcontractors that had very close ties to the government official to deliver engineering services, even though none of the subcontractors were qualified to perform any of the work that they were assigned. So the subcontractors in the ABB case were essentially used as a conduit to funnel payments directly to the government official in question. And in exchange for these payments, we know from the information that was unsealed, ABB benefited by receiving preferential treatment from the government official in question, including access to confidential bid information and the payment of grossly inflated invoices. So ABB was ultimately charged criminally by the DOJ and held civilly liable for its misconduct by the SEC. To settle the criminal proceeding, it entered into a DPA and agreed to pay a criminal penalty of approximately $315 million, and a portion of that was offset by the $75 million civil penalty it was obliged to pay to the SEC. So how about, I know there was a case involving distributors, Oracle, and I was very intrigued that you selected that. So what about the Oracle matter and distributors really caught your eye? So the thing that really caught my eye with respect to the Oracle case, and again, we're talking about another repeat violator because I believe they were charged in an administrative proceeding by the SEC in 2012 for substantially identical conduct. And here they were using a scheme involving indirect resellers to pass along improper benefits to government officials. And the essence of the scheme is a little bit complicated, but the essence of the overall scheme involved complicity on the part of Oracle employees who authorized excess discounts to value-added distributors and resellers. And those discounts were in excess of what Oracle policy mandated. So then these discounts were pooled collectively and then used as a slush fund to provide travel and entertainment to foreign officials. And in some cases, the indictment alludes to direct payments to those officials. So under a no emission settlement with the SEC, Oracle agreed to pay a total of $23 million, of which $15 million consisted of a civil penalty and 7.9 million consisted of disgorgement and prejudgment interest. But so what's so notable about the case, again, is that Oracle was chided by the SEC in 2012 for substantially similar conduct. And then the, your third case, I believe you told me, was uh, Goa Airlines. What caught your eye on that? Yeah, so that was a really interesting one. Goa Airlines is, of course, a popular low-cost carrier operating in Brazil. Although it was based overseas, like ABB, it's subject to the FCPA's anti-bribery prohibitions as a domestic issuer. Also like ABB, Golan Airlines was a subject of both the criminal proceeding initiated by the DOJ and an administrative proceeding initiated by the SEC. So according to documents filed in that case, 
a member of Goal Board of Directors actually agreed to pay high-ranking Brazilian officials approximately $3.8 million in bribes to secure favorable legislation that reduced payroll and aviation fuel taxes that were specific to the airline industry. Now, these bribes were paid to a third-party intermediary under the guise of sham contracts with a number of consulting companies that were controlled by the intermediary in question. So the intermediary would then pass on a substantial portion of the payments he received to the government officials in question. And for its misdeeds, Goal was fined about $87 million, but that amount was largely predicated on the receipt of maximum cooperation remediation credit that the government explicitly acknowledged. In the, but because Goal was not able to pay even that amount, the fine was ultimately reduced to $17 million. And the SEC proceeding, Goal was ordered to pay $70 million and disgorgement and prejudgment interest, but that was ultimately waived. So they only had to pay about $24.5 million over the next two years based on their precarious financial condition. Alexander, I'd like to now actually circle back with a term you started with, and I thought it was brilliant, reprioritize your third-party risk management program. And here we are in 2023 saying reprioritize your third-party program. It's never gone away, but it's just as important today as when I started in 2007. So I wanted to maybe pivot a little bit. And during this podcast series sponsored by Diligent, we've been able to look at not simply the Diligent platform, but looking at the business justification you might need, the questionnaire you would send out and the due diligence that you would receive based upon the questionnaire, how you would evaluate that due diligence, and then after the contract is signed, how do you manage the relationship? Is that a process you help a client think through or put in place? Or what sort of process might you suggest around a third-party risk management strategy? Yeah, so Tom, I think looking holistically at the three enforcement actions that we just highlighted, I had three critical takeaways that kind of allude to what you just mentioned, which is reprioritizing risk management. And the first principle is you have to understand that third-party risk, especially as it pertains to anti-bribery and corruption concerns, is a universal constant. In other words, while the form of bribery and corruption schemes tends to morph over time, the essence of the underlying quid pro quo misconduct is the same. So anything that's really designed to improperly influence foreign government officials in their official capacity needs to be heavily scrutinized to see if it rises to the level of an FCPA violation. Second, look, voluntary disclosures and substantial cooperation work. Look no further than the Oracle case where the government noted Oracle's cooperation and remediation efforts in the context of the SEC's cease and desist order. And this despite the fact that it had been charged with a very similar misconduct in the past. So avoid the temptation, which I know is very potent in legal circles to obfuscate and deny when confronted with a potential FCPA violation. I think as the Deputy Assistant Attorney General has repeatedly emphasize over the course of the last few years, full cooperation credit is contingent on disclosure of all material, non-privileged facts and information. So don't put yourself in the position of being uncooperative with either the SEC or DOJ. And finally, I think in this environment, you need to reassess the framework by which third parties are evaluated. We commonly refer to this in compliance circles as due diligence. I would encourage your listeners to revisit their frameworks for third-party risk management holistically and really hone in on the nature and quality of the information that's being collected. The critical question asked from a functional perspective, is it adequate to objectively evaluate the totality of risks posed by a potential business partner to the organization? So many times, organizations, I think, adopt a one-size-fits-all approach to TPRM 
that is ineffective and not in keeping with DOJ guidance, by the way, which requires companies to adopt a risk-based approach. So really take this opportunity to gauge the effectiveness of your current TPRM practices. Alexander, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, your practice, what would be the best place or places for them to go? Yeah, the best place to go would be www.volkofflaw.com, or you can send me an email at acotoya, A-C-O-T-O-I-A, at volkofflaw.com. And we're very responsive to our clients and very happy to get new. Alexander, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me today. This was a great way for us to button up this podcast series, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Tom, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed part five and indeed all five episodes of the special five-part podcast series on third-party management. If you'd like more information on Diligent, I've linked to them in the show notes, so check them out. If you would like to have a similar five-part podcast series for your company, please contact me. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This special five-part podcast series sponsored by Diligent has been a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.